we did the verses about Ihsan, that the Bani Israel, they took a covenant, they were made to take a covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and of the things that they were commanded to do was to do Ihsan on who? On their parents, as well as their close relatives, and the needy, and the orphans. But who is most deserving of our Ihsan? Our parents. And some of you, mashallah, you did really well on the project that was assigned, and... As you can see, it's very, very attractive, mashaAllah. It says, Rabbirhamhuma kama rabbiyani sagira. The dua has been written. And different verses about honoring the parents, respecting the parents, ihsan towards the parents are put here in a very lovely way. And some ahadith about ihsan towards parents. And examples of doing ihsan to the parents as well. So, mashaAllah, this is very beautiful. See how attractive this is? How beautiful this is? This is how our actions should be as well. You know, I didn't know about this project that one of the students did. I just saw it on the table and I was like, what is this? I was drawn towards it immediately. Good actions also attract you. You know, one is that we present something very nicely on paper. That's very good. That's the first step. But what is required is that we bring this beauty in our actions. Because actions, they speak louder than words. So just as we try to perfect and beautify our projects, let's try and perfect our actions as well, inshaAllah. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Verse number 92. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ And certainly, Musa alayhi salam came to you with the clear signs, with the clear proofs. But what did you do? ثُمَّ اتَّخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ But then you took the calf after him. وَأَنْتُمْ ظَالِمُونَ And you were wrongdoers. In the previous verse we learned that the Bani Israel, when they were told to believe in the Qur'an, what was their response? That no, we don't believe in what has been revealed to other people, we believe in what has been sent to us only. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuted saying, that if that is the case, then why did you kill the prophets who were sent to you? If you believed in them, then why did you kill them? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is refuting them again. That you claim to believe in Musa alayhi salam. You say that you only believe in who was sent to you and what was sent to you. But Musa alayhi salam, was he not one of you? Was he not sent to you? Did he not bring the Torah to you? But did you follow him completely? Did you obey him? Did you do what he told you to do? Or did you actually disobey him? You claim to believe in what was sent to you, but you don't actually believe in that. Because, وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى Certainly Musa alayhi salam came to you, بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Bayinat is a plural of Bayinah from the root letters Ba Ya Noon. And Bayinah, as we have learned earlier, is something that is clear in itself, Wadih. And secondly, it is also an evidence, a proof. So Musa salam brought clear evidences, clear proofs, matters that were very clear, things that were very clear. These were things that proved his prophethood, that proved his truthfulness. What were some of the bayyinah given to Musa salam? First of all, he was given the Torah. And the Torah, the way Musa salam was given it, it was given in a physical form. We learned that Musa salam was given tablets. And on that, the Torah, the writings were written. First of all, the Torah. What other miracles was he given? We learn about the glowing hand, as well as a staff that turned into a snake. And then previously in Egypt, when the Bani Israel were there, when Musa a.s. came to save them, didn't the Bani Israel see so many miracles at the hand of Musa a.s.? So many. When all of the magicians came against Musa a.s., all of their magic was 
finished, abolished by the staff of Musa a.s. Similarly, Fir'aun and his people, when they broke their promise with Musa a.s., what happened? More and more punishments were sent upon them. We learn in the Qur'an, years of famine. Similarly, the frogs, locusts and lice, and all of their water turned to blood. So, several punishments were sent on the people of Fir'aun, and the Bani Israel witnessed all of that. And the greatest miracle was that the Bani Israel managed to leave Egypt. Despite the fact that Fir'aun and his people, they were there. The Bani Israel managed to leave Egypt under the leadership of who? Musa a.s. And the sea was split before them. They crossed the sea and Fir'aun and his people drowned. And when they were in the desert, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent upon them the springs and the clouds. So many blessings, so many signs, so many evidences, so many miracles. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ Meaning the prophethood of Musa a.s. was not hidden from you. It was something very, very clear to you. But yet, what was your response to him? How did you react? سُمَّتْ تَخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَةِ But then you took the calf. Meaning you took the calf as a god to worship the calf. مِنْ After him. After him, what does it mean by this? Meaning after Musa salam went to get the Torah. We have learned earlier that Musa salam was called over there for how many nights? Thirty nights. But when he was there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extended that stay by ten more nights. So when Musa salam did not turn, the Bani Israel, what did they do? They took the calf for worship. Samiri, a man amongst them, he misguided them. He said, هَذَا إِلَاهُكُمْ Meaning this calf is your God. وَإِلَاهُ مُوسَى فَنَسِيَةٌ And the God of Musa, Musa has forgotten. Meaning Musa went to speak to him, but Musa still has not come back, which means that he cannot find his God because there is no actual God. The actual God is this calf that I have made for you. Allah says, ثُمَّ تَخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ After all those favors that were bestowed on you, after all those clear signs that you saw, you started worshipping a calf that you made of gold yourself? وَأَنْتُمْ ظَالِمُونَ And you were wrongdoers, you were guilty. Zalimun is a plural of zalim. Zulm, injustice. And zulm also means to fall short, to reduce in giving the other their right. To reduce the other's right, to fall short in it. Naqs. What is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That He alone be worshipped. When He alone has sent guidance, when He alone has bestowed so many favors, then He should be worshipped. You were wrongdoers when you began worshipping the calf. You were guilty. The claim of the Bani Israel that we believe only in the books that were sent to us, we believe only in the messengers who were sent to us, this is a claim that is false. Because if such was the case, then they would have obeyed Musa a.s. And they would have worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. So we see that they are contradicting themselves over here. What they said was a mere excuse A mere excuse. They should have believed in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Qur'an as well. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ And remember, recall, when we took your covenant, وَرَفَعْنَا And we raised, رَفَعْنَا رَفَ عِين We lifted, فَوْقَكُمْ Above you. What did we lift above you? الطور, the mountain. الطور, what does the word mean? It literally means mountain that is very lush. And The word Tur is also used as a proper name, as a proper noun, as a name for the mountain 
where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to Musa alayhi So وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ Recall when we took your covenant and how did we take that covenant? وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُورِ We lifted the Mount Tur above you. We have read about this earlier. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning it again, reminding them. And the Bani Israel were told, خُذُوا Take. خُذُوا This is a plural. All of you take. And what's the root of خُذُوا? Hamza خَا ذَال أَخَذَ He took. خُذُوا All of you take. Hamza خَا ذَال So خُذُوا All of you take. Meaning take hold of. مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ Whatever we have given you. What were they given? When Musa a.s. returned from the Mount Tur. The Torah. And what did the Torah contain? Certain instructions, guidance. So, خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ Whatever we are giving you, hold on to it. How should you hold on to it? بِقُوَّةٍ With strength. قُوَّةٍ قَافْ وَاو Yeah, with firmness. I mentioned to you earlier that قُوَّةٍ Strength is of two types. Tangible strength and also intangible strength. Tangible meaning physical. Physical power. And intangible strength meaning the strength of the heart. When a person is determined. When a person has firm resolve. A firm intention. So, خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ Take what we have given you with strength. What kind of strength is this? Tangible? That just hold on to the book. We have a very tight grip on the book. You never leave it. It should always be in your hands. Is that what the meaning is? No. Obviously when you're holding the book, the physical book, you should hold it with strength. Because the mushaf, the scripture, deserves respect. And we are to hold it with strength so that it doesn't drop. However, what is meant over here is the intangible strength. خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ How can a person hold on to what Allah has given with strength? How? In the intangible sense, what does that mean? Follow it. First of all, it means following it. But following it, in what way? We learned earlier, أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ In that way? That a person picks and chooses whatever he likes, leaves whatever he doesn't like? Is that quwwah? No. What does quwwah mean? Following it entirely. Following it consistently. Consistently. Because for that, don't you need some strength? Don't you need a firm resolve? Don't you need determination? Because what happens? Once you start doing something good, you do face the challenges. For example, you're coming here to study the book of Allah. Don't you need some strength to do that? Some firm determination. It's quite possible you wake up some Sunday morning, Saturday morning, like, why did I even think about joining the course? You know, I could have taken something online. I could have waited for another two years, then I could have done it. Why now? I'm making it so hard on myself. Don't you need determination to come regularly? To study the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Your nafs might come in the way. Challenges may come up because this is life. Anything good that you begin to do, you will face challenges. Inner challenges as well as external. Things that you have to fight yourself and also things that come from outside that you have to fight against. So whenever a person starts to do something good, he faces challenges and what does he need to do? He needs to have firm resolve so that he can continue. So خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةِ What does it mean? Follow the book with determination. Meaning all of it in its entirety and also consistently. Not that you do one thing one day and then leave it for the next five days and then you have niman rush and then you start doing the good thing again and then you leave it again. No, this is not قُوَّةِ 
For example, if you read the Qur'an, if you study the Qur'an, one day you feel like you know reciting the Qur'an and you open up the Qur'an and you read two pages. The next day you're like, nah, I don't feel like it. The next day you're like, nah, I don't feel like it. And then the next thing you know, you're in bed, the whole day has gone, and you haven't even read a single verse. Is that quwa? No. That's not quwa. You have to read every single day. And you know what? When you read every single day, when you do a good deed every single day, then don't you become better in what you're doing? Don't you develop that habit and you become better at it? But if you do it once here, once there, once there, then you never develop that strength. For example, if you want to improve your recitation, what do you have to do? Recite every single day. If you just keep recitation for the weekends, then you will come, recite, go back, and you're the same. You will not improve. Strength comes, how? With consistency. And for that, you need resolve. Follow it, implement it. Consistently in its entirety. What else comes in holding on to the book with strength? For example, you believe in it, don't let it go. Have a constant relationship with the book of Allah. Have a constant connection. What else comes in it? Memorizing it, reciting it. Because if a person reads it once in a while, he will read and he will forget. To hold on to the book with firmness, what does it require you to Read it regularly so that you can memorize the concepts. Or you can memorize the book. So recitation as well is necessary. Memorization is also necessary. Because if a person does not remember, he will not implement. Hold on to what we have given you with strength. What's the opposite of this? That a person has a very casual attitude towards the book of Allah. He feels like reading it, so he reads it. Doesn't feel like it, doesn't read it. Studies it one day, doesn't study it the other day. This is the book of Allah. The book of who? The one who is the greatest. This is His book. And this book deserves respect from us. It is not right that we give so much attention, so much care to other books, but we don't give attention to this book. It would be unfair that we read other books again and again, things that we like, But when it comes to the book of Allah, if we have to do our lesson seven times, we don't do it. And if we are asked, we say, I don't want to. This is not right. This is not the right attitude. Allah wants us to hold on to the book with strength, with firmness. And in order to do that, we have to understand its meanings. And if we don't memorize the meaning, how can we hold on to the book with strength? We cannot. Can you ever hold on to something with strength? Can you ever live by something that you don't understand? It's not possible. Understanding is the first step. So this lesson, this homework that you're given, memorizing your lesson seven times, doing it seven times, this is according to this command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if we want to have a firm grasp on the book of Allah, we have to be able to understand its meanings. That's the first step. So, خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ Hold on to it with strength. And also they were told, وَاسْمَعُوا And also listen. وَاسْمَعُوا سَمْعُ What does سَمْعُ mean? To listen. But remember that listening is of different different types. The first level of listening is just idraq, just perception. Just perceiving the sound. Hearing the sound. Idraq. The second level of سَمْعُ is of fahm, of understanding. Meaning what you're listening, what you're hearing, you also understand. How can you understand if you pay 
attention. If you listen attentively. The third level of summer is قبول, acceptance. Meaning, whatever you listen, whatever you hear, you also accept it. And you also do it. You do what is required. So for example, somebody asks you, please come here. What's the first level? That you hear a sound. If you pay attention, you will understand the statement, please come here. They want me to come. And if you listen, then what does it mean? That you go, you respond to them, you do what is asked of you. If a person does not go, are they listening? No. If a person does not understand, does not pay attention, does not even hear, is he listening? No. So when they were told, وَاسْمَعُوا and listen, this means listen attentively to the commands that are given to you. And don't just listen attentively, but also follow. Also do what is asked. Because many times it happens that we read the Qur'an, we read the scripture, we listen to a lecture, but that's not sufficient. Listening and reading are not sufficient. What is necessary is action. Because if we hear, we understand, we read, we listen, but we don't implement, then what use was that listening? What good is that? It's not of any benefit. You know, listening and not listening becomes the same. So they were told, وَاسْمَعُوا and also listen. Meaning, accept, obey whatever you are commanded. قَالُوا They said, meaning the Bani Israel, when this covenant was taken from them, because they refused to take it initially, and then the mountain was lifted above them, take it or else you're done, you're finished. And we discussed this earlier, why this was done with them. So when the mountain was hovering above them, and they were told, hold on to the book with strength, and listen, pay attention, what was their response? قَالُوا They said, سَمِعْنَا We heard, وَعَصَيْنَا But we will disobey. Look at their audacity. سَمِعْنَا We have heard, وَعَصَيْنَا But we will disobey. عَصَيْنَا عِصْيَان عَيْن صَادْ وَاو عِصْيَان What does that mean? Disobedience. So, عَصَيْنَا We disobeyed how? With our actions. So what does it mean? They heard, but they did not actually listen. They accepted the promise, but they didn't actually live by it. Saying that I will do is not sufficient. We also have to fulfill our commitments. We also have to fulfill. We also have to do what we said we will do. They said, سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا We hear, but we disobey. What was the reason? Why did they do this? They heard the book of Allah, but then they didn't follow it. What was the reason? The reason was, وَأُشْرِبُوا And they were made to drink. أُشْرِبُوا شِينْ رَأْبَ شَرَاب What does شَرَاب mean? Drink. كُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا أُشْرِبُوا They were made to drink. فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ Into their hearts. قُلُوب is a plural of قَلْب They were made to drink into their hearts al the calf. Why? Bikufrihim, because of their disbelief. They were made to drink the calf into their hearts because of their kufr. What does it mean by this? Can you drink a calf? Similarly, what eats? Your mouth or your heart? The calf. Your mouth, right? So what does it mean by this? That their hearts were made to drink the calf. Their hearts were soaked, they were drenched, they were infused with the love of the calf. The word sharab has been used because when you pour water over something, dry earth for example, it absorbs it. And when it absorbs it, the water blends into the soil. It becomes a part of it. 
It's fully infused into it. It's into it fully, completely, thoroughly. So much love for the calf that they made with their own hands, that love filled up their hearts. Their hearts were occupied with the love of the calf. And this is why Samirna wa Even when they promised that yes, we will hold on to the book, they disobeyed. Why? Because there was a huge distraction. There was something already occupying their hearts. You may have experienced it yourself as well. If you know that you should be doing something, like for example, you know that you should be studying for your test, but your favorite show is coming on the television. That favorite show, does it prevent you from studying? Yes. You know that you should be studying, but what will you do? You will go and turn on the television and there goes an hour or two because you're busy doing something else. You know, you understand you should be studying, but what prevents you? The love in the heart. The calf that is in the heart. And why is it? Because the heart is drenched, it is soaked with the love of the calf. The love is fully in it, meaning that will take precedence over anything else. So even when a person understands he should be doing something different, he will do what he desires, he will do what he likes. And why is it that their hearts were drenched with the love of the calf? Allah says, بِكُفْرِهِمْ Because of their disbelief. They disbelieved first when they intended to worship the calf. When they said that Musa has gone, he's not coming back, that's it, forget about it. They did kufr. Kufr of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah had bestowed so many favors upon them. And yet look at their ingratitude. Forget it, we're not going to worship Allah. When they saw the people who were worshipping idols, they said to Musa alayhi salam, اِجْعَلْ لَنَا إِلَٰهًا كَمَا لَهُمْ آلِهَا When they did kufr, what happened? They made the calf and they started worshipping it. They loved it so much that even when they knew they should be worshipping Allah, they did not do so. You see how everything is connected with each other? A person does something wrong and then that leads him to loving that wrong. And when he loves it, he loves it to such an extent that he does not obey Allah even when he understands he must obey Allah. Even when it's logical to him, still he does it. So where is the problem? It's in the heart. What is the problem? It's the love, the wrong kind of love that is in the heart. The love for something else that is stronger than the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Bani Israel, their distraction was what? Al-Ijl. That is what they loved. But you know what? We also have a calf. Something that we love so much that prevents us from worshipping Allah. That prevents us from doing things that we know we should be doing. And ask your heart, what is that calf? It could be yourself. It could be your phone. It could be a friend. It could be something that you love to do. It could be cooking for a woman. It could be shopping for another. It could be dressing up for another person. It could be watching sports for another person. It could be watching some particular show for another person. Something, al-ijl, a calf, is in the heart that has penetrated the heart. And the heart is so lost in it that there's no room left for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no room left for the love for obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that thing takes precedence over Allah. And then even when a person understands he should be obeying Allah, then he doesn't. Why? 
Because the love overpowers. So we all have to look into our hearts and see what is that calf. Get rid of that calf. Like the calf that the Bani Israel made, what happened? Musa salam came and what did they do? They burnt it up. They didn't just melt it and use the gold into making something else. No, they burnt it and they threw away the ashes so that they would be spread out everywhere. Nobody could gather the ashes. Nobody could value those ashes even. Because if something stops you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to such an extent that you have the audacity to say, سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا Then you better get rid of that. That a person knows, yeah, I know I should not be doing this, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know I should be doing this, but it doesn't matter. قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجْلَ بِكُفْرِهِمْ Allah says, قُلْ say, بِئْسَ مَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ بِهِ إِيمَانُكُمْ Say, how bad is, how evil is, بِئْسَ How evil is, مَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ What it commands you, what commands you, بِهِ with it إِيمَانُكُمْ your iman. Meaning, look at your iman, what kind of iman do you have? What kind of faith do you have? What is it commanding you to do? You say you have iman? That you believe in what was sent to you? No, what kind of iman do you have? That you worship the calf? It's lost in the calf? In kuntum mu'mineen, if you're truly believers. So your claim of belief, this is all false. This is untrue. Because in reality, what is in your heart is what? The calf. Your iman is deficient. There is a problem with your iman. قُلْ بِئْسَ مَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ بِهِ إِيمَانُكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ Let's listen to the recitation. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ ثُمَّ اتَّخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ وَأَنْتُمْ ظَالِمُونَ وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورَ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ وَاسْمَعُوا قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجَلَ بِكُفْرِهِمْ قُلْ بِئْسَ مَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ بِهِ إِيمَانُكُمْ إِنْ What stops a person from obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Love for something else. Can you think of certain things that we love that prevent us from obeying Allah? That perhaps we need to avoid or we need to limit, we need to control? Because if we go too close to them, then they overpower us. So for example, sometimes people are extremely happy, extremely excited about something that prevent us from obeying Allah. Recently I attended a wedding and this lady came up to me and she said, you know like if the bride has put all that makeup on and she's spent so long putting on that makeup but then it's time for prayer and she doesn't have wudu, is she supposed to take her makeup off and do wudu? I said, yeah, if it's water resistant then of course. She said, but if she's going to wash her face, everything's going to get washed up. I'm like, yeah, then she can fix it afterwards. She's like, but it's her wedding. And they took so long putting on her makeup. And can she not be exempted on this day at least? I said, no. We're supposed to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single day. And on the day you're getting married, please worship Allah because you really want Allah's blessings on that day and for the rest of life. So if you start your new life with disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then how do you think the rest of your life will be? It's difficult. 
You put in so much time and effort in getting that makeup all perfect and right. Every part of the eye was checked and every part of the face was checked and everything was coordinated and whatever details were put in. But then a person has to really check. Is this becoming a calf for me? Something whose love has penetrated my heart that I look at myself and I think I'm looking so beautiful and I don't want to wash it off even for salah? No. That calf should not prevent us. What else prevents us? Sleep. That's like a big calf for many of us. Sleep. That we're enjoying our sleep so much that we don't want to get up. That, for example, if it's your email or your Twitter account or your Facebook or whatever you want to call it, whatever it is, that a person spent so much time reading those things, reading what other people have said, and then he wonders, why don't I have time to read the book of Allah? You know, I wanted to do my lesson, but I just can't find the time. And you found the time to read the tweets again and again and go back and follow Allahu Alam, so many people. You know, I wonder sometimes when people follow 150 people, how many tweets do they read in one single day? I mean, honestly, how many tweets do they read every single day? How much of their time gets consumed by such things? And then we wonder, we don't have time for the book of Allah. I just didn't get the time to do my lesson. Despite the fact that we had five days in the middle still, I'd find the time to do my lesson. Well, something else is distracting you. Money, things, stuff that we love so much. We want to get more off and we're never satisfied with less. We always want more. And in that desire for more, whether it's clothes that we get with that money or shoes that we get with that money, we spend so much time in such things that it becomes like a calf distracting us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Friends, and we're talking to them, we're chatting with them. I mean, you just met them at school and then you come home and you're texting them and then you go on Facebook and you're chatting with them. Really? Constantly staying connected with other friends. Telling other people, oh, I'm sitting at Tim Hortons and I'm having this coffee and good for you, but you don't have to share it with the rest of the world. Television. Big calf. I wish it came in the shape of a calf. Because what do people do? They're sitting on it, sitting before it. One hour goes by, another hour goes by. So much time is consumed by it. And then when we want to pray, we're thinking about what we saw on the television. And what we see on television, it makes us happy and sometimes it makes us sad and sometimes it makes us scared. And we're so emotionally involved in it. Literally, ushribu fi qulubihimul ijla. It's as though that love has penetrated our hearts that all we think about, all we worry about is that person we saw on the television. Whereas all of that is untrue. But it distracts you from the worship of Allah. It becomes a huge calf. And these hindrances we must remove. Because then we will understand that we're supposed to obey Allah, but we will not be able to do so. Because our heart is elsewhere. We learn in the Quran that وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ Those who believe, they are most intense in their love for Allah. Their love for Allah is the greatest then anyone can have love for anything else. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ And only if that love is there, then we can obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, we can be masters of the sharia, but that action will not be there. So we have to become very careful. Yeah, it's many things. For some people it's music, shows, whatever it is. The moment something begins to distract you from the worship of Allah, it has to go. It has to go. Because if you keep it in your life, then it will continue to become bigger and bigger and bigger. It will continue to seep into your heart, go into the very depth so that it will be very difficult for you to even take it out. 
Just like a tree, if you leave it, it's going to keep growing and growing and growing until the roots become so deep that even if you take it out, first of all, it will be very difficult. The roots still stay there. So get rid of it before it grows stronger. قُلْ Say, إِنْ كَانَتْ If it is لَكُمْ for you الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ The home of the hereafter. إِنَّ اللَّهِ In the sight of Allah, with Allah. خَالِصَةً Exclusively. مِنْ دُونِ النَّاسِ With the exception of other people. فَتَمَنَّوُ الْمَوْتِ Then wish for death. إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ If you're truthful. Now in these verses, more excuses of the Bani Israel are being negated. They presented many excuses for not believing. For example, one thing that they said was that نَحْنُ أَبْنَاءُ We are the children of Allah. We are the most beloved people. You know, Allah loves us the most. So we believe, we obey, disobey, it doesn't matter. Eventually, Allah will put us into paradise. Similarly, they said, وَقَالُوا لَن تَمَسَّنَ النَّارُ إِلَّا That the fire will not touch us except for just a few days. Eventually, we're going to go to paradise. Similarly, they said, وَقَالُوا لَنْ يَدُخُلَ الْجَنَّةَ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُودًا أَوْ نصارى. None will enter paradise except for the one who is either Jewish or Christian. So we are good. We are fine. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that قُلْ say to them, that in كَانَتْ If it was. كَانَتْ is the feminine of كَانَ. So if it was, لَكُمْ for you, الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةِ دَار, the home. We did this word earlier. What's the root? دَال وَوْرَى and Darul Akhirah, the home of the hereafter, which one is that? Paradise. In the hereafter, there are two destinations. Either paradise or hellfire. Of the two, which one is the home of the hereafter? Paradise. Why? Because hellfire is not like a home. A home is a place where you find peace and security. But the hellfire is not a place of peace or security. So if you think that paradise is for you, خَالِصَةً خَالِصَةً خَالَمْ صَاد خُلُوص إِخْلَاص Have you heard of these terms? خَالِص What does that mean? Something that is pure, pure, unadulterated, unmixed. So خَالِصَةً gives a meaning of exclusively over here. Meaning it is only for you, purely for you. مِن دُونِ النَّاسِ And not for the rest of the people. Meaning the rest of the people are not going to paradise, only you are going to paradise. Jannah is exclusively your home, O Bani Israel. If you think like that, then what are you doing here in this world? This place of difficulty, of sadness, of struggle, of misery. Why are you here? فَتَمَنَّوُ maut, Wish for death. Because once you will die, then you will get to Jannah. So why are you in this world? If you're supposed to go in Jannah and it's only for you, then wish for death so that you can die, so you can go to paradise. In kuntum sadiqin, if you're truthful. The word tamannaw is from mim nun ya, amani, hopes. So tamannaw, hope, wish for death. If you're truthful in your claim, what are you doing in this world? Go to paradise, die so you can go there. Allah says, walan and never, yatamannawhu, and never ever will they wish for it, abadan ever. Abada, it gives the meaning of ever. Hamza dal, abad. They will never ever wish for death at all. Why? Because of what their hands have put forth. Qaddamat qaf dal meem, to send something ahead. Qadam means to step forward. So qaddama, to send ahead. And aidi is a plural of yad. What is yad? Hand. 
What their hands have put forth, what their hands have sent ahead. What does it mean by this expression? This means the actions that they have already done. Most of the actions are done with what? With the hands. And whatever actions we do, we are sending them for which life? Hereafter. So any action we do, it's as though we are packing it and sending it in the hereafter. It's like if you have to move from one country to another, then what will you do? You will pack up your stuff and you will send it, you will ship it, and then you will go yourself. When people are moving houses, they pack up all their stuff, they put it in the truck, they send the truck, and once the house is empty, then they go. Likewise, whatever actions we are doing, we are sending them for the hereafter. And when we reach there, all those actions will be opened up and displayed before us so that we are held accountable for them. بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ They will never ever wish for death because of the actions that they have committed. Meaning they know that they're guilty, they're afraid of death, they're afraid of dying because they know what awaits them due to the actions that they have performed. وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ And Allah is all-knowing. بِالظَّالِمِينَ With the wrongdoers. ظَالِمِينَ Plural of ظَالِم Allah knows exactly what they have been doing. Allah knows about their actions. What do we learn in these verses? What do we see? The Bani Israel, they thought that since they are the chosen people, since they are the believers, they are the ones whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed so many favors with, they will go to the paradise. And Jannah is exclusively for them. No one else is going to Jannah but them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if that is the case, then you know what? Pray for death. Die. Don't stay in this dunya. Because dunya is a place where you have to go through so many difficulties. You have to struggle to gain money. Then you have to struggle to spend that money, to enjoy that money. Isn't it? And you always have that fear. You're suffering from khawf, you're suffering from huzn. So many bad things are there in this world. If you know you're definitely going to paradise, and why are you here? Go there. Die. Pray for death so that you can go. But Allah says they will never ever do that. Because they know that they are guilty. And they want to stay in this world for however long they can. Because they know what awaits them. This is why Allah says, وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ And surely you will definitely find them. Wow, jim dal. Wajada. To find something. So you will certainly find them. And notice the noon with the shadda. This noon with the shadda means definitely. So surely you will definitely find them. Who? The Bani Israel. Ahrasanasi. The most greedy of all people. Ahras. Ahras is from hirs. Ha ra sad. Hirs. And hirs is greed for something. Notice, it's not just want, it's not just desire, but what is it? Greed. How is greed different from want or from desire? The desire, the want is extreme. It's not that you want it, but it's like you badly, badly want it because you love it a lot. This is what hirs is, extreme desire, extreme love for something. This greed, it is accompanied with fear. Fear of what? Fear of losing it. You like something, you want it, and you're afraid that you're going to lose it. Isn't your greed going to become even more? It's like, for example, you love to hold a child. And you really, really want to hold that child. You can't wait for your turn. You really want to. And then you're afraid that as soon as you hold the child, somebody else is going to take the child from you. This is what girls do, right? The baby is sent from one pair of hands to the other, to the other, to the other, until 
You don't even know where the baby's gone. It's like you badly want to hold the baby and at the same time you're afraid that you know somebody else is going to take it from me. This is what Hill says, greed. So then what does a person do? They take the baby and they go away. So that nobody else can find me. Nobody else can see me. So that nobody else can even ask me for the baby. This is what hirs is. You want it. And you're afraid that it's going to go away from you. So your greed is even more stronger. So you will find them, the money Israel, the greediest of people for what? What do they badly want? Hayat. Life. وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاتٍ They're greedy for life. They just want to live and live and live and never die. They're afraid of death. They know that eventually they will die. And this is why they want to live longer and longer. أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاتٍ And Allah says that this love is even more than who? وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا Even more than who? Those people who do shirk. Meaning their love for life is more more intense than the love that the mushrikeen have for life. الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا أَشْرَكُوا is from Sheen Rakaf, from the word shirk. What does shirk mean? To associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worshipping Him. Or in His names and attributes, in His actions, in His Lordship. And shirk literally means to give a share. So when a person does shirk, he is giving share of Allah's exclusive rights to someone else. الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا The mushrikeen, those who worship idols, for example. Do they have any belief in the hereafter? No, they don't. Even if they do have some belief in afterlife, it's not like the belief that the Muslims have or the people of the book have. The people of the book or the Muslims, what kind of belief do we have? That in the hereafter, there's going to be a day of judgment and then people will be judged and sent to either hellfire or paradise according to their deeds. But the mushrikeen, what kind of belief do they have about afterlife? Some say that you're just going to be finished, that's it. Especially the mushrikeen at the time of the Prophet وَمَا يُهْلِكُنَا إِلَّا الدَّهْرِ And that's it, we're done. There's no resurrection, there's no afterlife. Now, think about it. If a person does not have any belief in the hereafter, what is he going to say? You live only once, make the most of your life. But you live twice. Once in this world, and secondly when? In the hereafter. كُنْتُمْ أَمْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ ثُمَّ يُمِيتُكُمْ ثُمَّ يُحْيِكُمْ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجِعُونَ You live twice, not once. So if a person believes that he's only going to live once, then he is going to have extreme love and greed for this worldly life. He is going to do anything to live longer. He is going to do anything to live longer, to avoid death. And he is going to enjoy every single moment. This is what he does. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the Bani Israel, their love for this world, for this life is greater than the love that even the mushrikeen have. يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ One of them loves. يَوَدُّ وَاو دَال دَال Wood And wood is خَالِصُ الْمَحَبَّةِ Pure love for something. So يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ Each one of them he loves. What does he love? لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ If only he could be given a life. يُعَمَّر عَيْن ميم را عمر Life. Age. عَمَّرَ يُعَمِّرُ تَعْمِير To give age. To give life. So each one of them loves that he should be given a life. Alpha sanatin, a thousand years. If you ask them, do you want to die? No way. Each one of them loves if only he could stay alive for a thousand years. For him, the life of 60 years, the life of 80 years is too short. Which is why if somebody dies young, they say, he died so early. 
Allah says, وَمَا هُوَ But it is not. What is not? A life of a thousand years. It is not going to بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ At all want to save him. From what? مِنَ الْعَذَابِ From the punishment. أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ Even if he is given a long life. Even if a person is given a life of a thousand years, is it going to save him from the punishment? No. Because long life cannot eliminate death. It doesn't mean that if a person lives for a long time, he will not die. No, eventually he will die. And when he will die, he will be held accountable. So, وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ This word مزحزح مزحزح زايحة زايحة Four letter root. Four letters. زايحة زايحة زحزحة What does it mean? زحزحة is to save something from someone in a way like moving away so that a person is saved. So you can say بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ at all to budge him, to move him, to even move him slightly away from the punishment. No. He will face that end and he will be held accountable. Long life is not going to protect you from death and death will not protect you from punishment, from accountability. وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ And Allah is seeing بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ Of what they do. Allah is watching exactly what we do. All of our actions are very well known to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we see in this verse? A person who doesn't have yaqeen in the hereafter, belief in the hereafter, a person who does not prepare for the hereafter, then his love for this life is stronger than his love for the hereafter. If a person's focus, his goal is only this dunya, then he doesn't want to die at all. He's happy the way he is. But if a person's focus is the afterlife, then what will he do? He will use this life to prepare for that life. He will endeavor, he will struggle every single day so that he can make his afterlife much better. He will live in this dunya, but his mind is where? In the akhirah. And when death comes to that person, then he is told that, يَا أَيَّتُهَا النَّفْسُ الْمُطْمَئِنَّ إِرْجِعِي إِلَىٰ رَبِّكِ رَاضِيَةً مَرْضِيَةً that, يَا أَيَّتُهَا النَّفْسُ الْمُطْمَئِنَّ O soul who is content and satisfied, content with what? How can a person be content? When a person has done something. When a person is ready. When a person is satisfied and happy with the commands of Allah. He accepted them wholeheartedly and followed them, lived by them. Then at the time of death he is told, إِرْجِعِي إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ Go back to your Lord. Come, let's go back to Allah. While you are happy and Allah is happy with you. This can only be for the person who is preparing for the Akhirah. But a person who doesn't prepare for the Akhirah, then he lives in this world. He's afraid of the afterlife and he just wants to enjoy himself to the maximum in this world. But the fact is that long life, it cannot avert death and death cannot avert punishment. Inevitably, every single person will die. Kulluman alayha. Fan, even if we live for a thousand years, eventually we are going to die. Is there any person who has lived in this world for eternity? No. If a person lives up to a hundred years, even that is a big deal. But if a person lives up to a hundred years, how much can he enjoy? Even eating becomes such a challenge. Moving becomes such a challenge. A person is more of a burden on others than he is enjoying life. And the fact is that long life itself it doesn't matter much, meaning it's not the quantity that matters. A person may live for a very long time, but if he spends all that time in the disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is the worst person. 
But if a person lives even a short life, but he spends that time in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is the best. In the hadith, the Prophet said that شَرُّكُمْ مَنْ طَالَ عُمَرُهُ وَالسَّاءَ عَمَلُهُ That the worst of you, the most evil of you, are those whose life is very long, but his actions are evil. His actions are bad. Life is long, but the actions are bad. So a person, if he spends a long life, but he spends it in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that is worse for him. And if a person has been given even a short life, but he spends it in obedience to Allah, then that is best for him. That is best for him. And if he's given a longer life, and he spends that in obedience to Allah, then that is even better for him. What do we think? That if we live longer, we are luckier. This is why when we see people, we give them a dua of a long life. May Allah give you a long life. In Urdu they say, Jitero, that keep living. May you have a very long life. It's only beneficial if a person spends it in obedience to Allah. We see that Imam al-Nawawi. Have you heard of the book Riyadu Salihin? It was compiled by Imam al-Nawawi. And he was very young. Very young when he passed away. But when he died, he left such a great treasure for people to benefit from. And you know, this is not the only book that he has written. Many other compilations, many other books. You can read many classical books and whose name will you find in there? An-Nawawi. He lived a short life, but a very productive, a very beneficial life. So the Bani Israel, they're being condemned over here for their desire for long life because even if they were given a long life, they wouldn't spend that in obedience to Allah. They would spend that in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what do we learn in this verse? That instead of desiring a long life, what should we desire? a productive and beneficial life. Because we don't know when we're going to die. Somebody could be very young and they could die. But if they have left something beneficial for people, if they have prepared something for themselves in the hereafter, then that short life was also worth it. We keep thinking when we're older, then we will do such and such. But how do you know? You don't know if you're going to live that long. You might die before that. Don't you know of somebody or the other who has died very young? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you've heard of somebody who died very young, very early. So it's not the quantity that matters. We should be focusing on what? Quality. That every day, every moment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us, we should spend it in something beneficial. Because if we're doing wrong, then eventually we have to face it. Let's listen to the recitation. قُلْ إِن كَانَتْ لَكُمُ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَالِصَةً مِنْ دُونِ النَّاسِ فَتَمَنَّوُ الْمَوْتَ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ وَلَنْ يَتَمَنَّوْهُ أَبَدًا بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالظَّالِمِينَ وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاتٍ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ